You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. James, welcome to Stories That Sell, man. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it, man. Good to be here. Uh, really cool how things happen. We met through the good old Facebook. I don't know how we got on there, but um, I think it was Facebook. might have been Instagram. Who knows? You know, social media world. <laughs> yeah, it was Facebook. Connections. The connections being made on social media. People can down social media all they want, but the connections are incredible. And I put out a, 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 a post, and then you kind of had a funny, a, a really cool question like, Hey, is this a lead? What, what did you say is a lead magnet? Is that what you said? Yeah. I said, is this a, 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 a lead generation uh, post or like, is it like real? It was legit. It was legit. And then I was like, man, that's brilliant. I should put that in the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a great lead magnet. Yeah. Great lead magnet. Yeah. That's awesome. So I always love it when someone sends me something like that. And, and lo and behold, we, we, we start talking back and forth and I look you up and I'm like, Oh, this guy is going to have a great story. We need to talk. So here we are. Um, and I'm just, I'm pumped to be able to let you tell your story to our audience and, uh, and, and give us some awesome nuggets because uh, you've been doing what you've been doing for a while. So why don't you go ahead and lay it out for us, man? All right. Well, Scott, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I've been in the fitness game for over 20 years. Uh, I started, Back in 2000, I believe I walked in Autumn Gym in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, about 2000, 2001. Uh, I was a kid. I was an athlete my whole life. And once I got out of high school, sports was over. I was hanging on the streets. I was partying. I was doing all the things that young people do. Walked in Autumn Gym, knew that I had to change. Like I had this pot belly. I was skinny fat <laughs> and changed my life. It completely changed my life, got my confidence back. I've found a confidence that I never truly had as a young man. And that started me on the path. I was obviously at that time, it was all bodybuilding. Um, and in about 2002, 2003, I started doing it professionally. I was just kind of like doing everything that I could in the gym uh, just to kind of like gain experience, whether it was folding towels whether it was seeing I was personal training someone, but really it was just giving instructions to a really pretty girl. Um, but that started me on my professional path. And in about 2005, I sold my retail store. I had, I owned a couple of cell phone stores at the time and I sold, I sold them. Um, and I went into fitness full time. I got it. My first job in New York sports clubs, uh, working as assistant fitness manager, uh, spent a good amount of years in the retail section of fitness. Uh, at that time, it was luxury brands, um, New York City, really learning how to do everything from the business standpoint, you know, how to talk to people, how to prospect on the floor, how to clean the equipment. Um, and then at that time, gaining a really valuable education from some of the best trainers I've ever met in my life. Um, we were in Garden City, Long Island, which is a really high-end neighborhood. 
So I got an opportunity to just be around really affluent people. And growing up, um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. My mother uh, worked her way um, through college when she had me. So she had me at 20 years old. My father was a street guy, um, blue collar guy, drove tow trucks, but at night was also involved in a lot of um, illegal activities. So I had a very interesting childhood. So when it came time to being in front of people that had money, I really didn't know how to operate. Like I had no idea how to interact into that crowd. So I had to fake it for a long time, Um, but it gave me the opportunity to learn and to be comfortable and to learn how to sell in that environment. So I had a huge uh, sales experience moving in and that's why my buddy brought me into the space. So after a good amount of years, I opened up my own gym. Um, That was an interesting experience for the gym owners that are listening. They know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It was an interesting experience. I opened up with two buddies of mine and we were just like bad kids running a gym without a mom. Uh, that's what it that's what it felt like when you open up a gym at 28 years old it was yeah we were just like three bad kids there were protein there was protein powder all over the the desk underwear was in the bathroom um i mean but it was in a really affluent neighborhood in long island but it was invaluable experience incredible invaluable experience and at that time group fitness wasn't a thing there was no such thing as group fitness it was all personal training and that was when the economy went bad The economy took a big hit and the internet started kind of making waves in fitness. It started, you know, people started to learn how to do blogs. People started to learn this online thing back then. And what also popped up was group or small group training. And I started to see that. I started to see that opportunity. I started to see the opportunity of, oh, wow, I'm busting my ass seven days a week, 12, 14 hour days doing these one-on-ones or maybe, you know, two-on-ones, but there's another way we can do, we can do something different. And that's when I really started studying guys like Bedros Koulian, Craig Valentine, and those OGs. And I started to learn small group. I started to learn half hours, how to kind of manipulate. And me and my partner at that time, we were completely on two different wavelengths. I wanted to do this new thing he wanted to do what he was doing because he was very successful at it. But again, working seven days a week, 12, 14 hour days. Yes, we're young men, but I just saw the writing on the wall. Um, and at that time, the economy started really tanking. CrossFit started coming into the space. But when CrossFit hit, it really, really, and, and look, I, I'll go forward, it, but it really devalued what we were doing. Hmm. Oh, we're going to have to talk about that. We're going to yeah, dive in. So I'll continue with my story. Um, but I got it, but I loved it. I, I, I fell in love with CrossFit. And so I went down that path and I jumped into uh, the CrossFit space for about, I jumped in there about 2012. Um, 2012, I really dove head in, uh, ran a couple of CrossFit gyms in New York City. Uh, from there, decided to take it international and move overseas and move to Kuwait. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was awesome. Got an opportunity to travel, meet a bunch of different people. Um, that allowed me to start to get into more of the event space. So from 2014 to 2000 till now, I've been involved in high level events from the emceeing side to the operation side. Um, and right before the pandemic hit, I'll say right before the pandemic hit, 
I decided to go online with my business. I knew something. I just didn't feel the love and the passion to run brick and motors anymore. Um, I got tired of being a glorified janitor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love, like you love it, but you know, there's parts of the business you don't understand um, or you don't realize it when you get into, when you get involved in it. And so I moved online and I started to work with, at that time, it was just kind of life coaching, which evolved into business coaching uh, for professionals and entrepreneurs and fitness professionals. And then the pandemic hit. And luckily I was in a really, I was in a good, unique position to help people. And so I was able to do that for a couple of years. And now we find where I am today, where um, I'm working with more companies, working with more brands and trying to help them navigate the fitness space. Yeah. And there's a lot of navigating to do. <laughs> That's my story in a very quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. There's, uh, you know, well, guys our age, we have long stories, don't we? Very long. It's very long. I chewed off a ton. So. Well, you, you, I mean, the fitness, starting the fitness industry in basically 2000, 2001, I mean, we're going back, uh, you know, 20 plus years wow. and um, let's, let's, let's just rewind a little bit to the CrossFit devalued, uh, you know, the industry. I, 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 I want to go into this conversation because I want to know exactly what you mean. I think I know where you're going and I probably agree, but let's, let's unpack yeah, that sure. a little bit. Yeah. So I think like many, like many people, it, it was something new. Right. I was like, what the hell is this thing? I remember for about a year and a half, I wanted no part of it. Right. People would be like, you got to do this. I'm like, I want nothing to do with that. You know, I mean, I, it looks dumb. Um, <laughs> and then I went and I tried it. I was like, let me get an educated opinion on this. Right. And so I took a class and I was like, I'm fuck, I love this thing. Oh my God. And so I signed up uh, uh, CrossFit Garden City, Jen and Dennis Marshall. There were seminar coaches. It was fantastic. I mean, I got smoked by old women. It was great. I loved it. We're the part where it devalued us. So I mentioned the time we started doing small group training and we went from making maybe $70 to $100 in an hour doing a PT session, one hour session, to now making three to $500 in an hour, working with groups of seven to eight people, charging them 30 bucks, 35 bucks, right? I'm in New York, so it's a little bit higher. And we were making really good money and fitness was really valued. Instruction was really valued. It wasn't just the space. It was the instruction. I came to you because I wanted you to help me learn how to exercise, learn how to train. CrossFit comes on the scene. Fantastic. It's a great training model. It was new. It was fresh. Great. hundred bucks. Come in as much as you want. And the programming and the coach, so I'll say this, the program was overvalued and the coaching was undervalued, hmm. right? It didn't matter who was in front of you because if you, if you said, well, the coaching wasn't, over, wasn't undervalued, what were they getting paid? Coaches in the space were not getting paid. They were what, 20 bucks, maybe 15, barter. Oh, we'll give you a free membership. You coach a couple of classes. You got your L1. And so you went from instructors and trainers making three figures and for to teach a to teach a class to now making 20 bucks. So we went backwards. Yeah. And that's why I feel like the instruction got devalued. And then we got compared 
instruction got compared with brick, uh, big box gyms. I was like, well, why would I pay you $150 when I can go to Gold's and pay 50? It got completely blurred and instruction just got completely devalued. Yeah. Do you think that that was uh, kind of a function of the early CrossFit days where it's like, just take the seminar and you're good to go. And it's still that way, by the way. I mean, yeah. it's still, that's, you still just take a level one. It's a, it's a day course and then you, you can, you can be a coach. Uh, do you think it's the model? Do you think it's the, the, the kind of the grassroots growth of do it in a garage or, you know, a dingy warehouse building? It doesn't matter how good it looks. Where, where do you think that went wrong? Because right now I see gym owners who have been doing CrossFit for a long time now really focusing, refocusing on small group instruction, a much, much, much higher level pay yeah. or, or cost. And they're getting way better results from their clients and then their business is actually thriving. I've seen this happen in this evolution of being in, in, in kind of an insider in the, in that gym business and seeing this, this, the, the people who are doing this, not doing $150 a month anymore. It's three grand for nine weeks or whatever it is. And they're making massive swings. Uh, so I, let me, let me move back. What, what do you think the equation that caused this, this thing is? Well, I think originally it was the entry level got lowered, right? The barrier to entry got completely lowered. So if you wanted to get into the fitness space, you had to like, it was a six month or, you know, three month test, right? You had to go get a certification for three months. Well, I showed you my road. Like if I wanted to get a job, I had to probably work the floor, um, maybe go work the front desk a little bit, right? Learn how to talk to people. I had to learn how to sell. I had to learn how to like really put together contracts for people. So I got all of this stuff. Now, when, you know, when CrossFit came out, it was just like, dude, you just need a couple of bucks and you can open up a gym. Anybody could do it. Go take this weekend course, find a space, open up a gym. So you had people who are really passionate about this and it's not a knock on them, right? It's not a knock, but it's what happened. People were really passionate about this thing. And they were like, I'm going to go do this. And there was no process to learn how to actually run and operate the business. Right. Yeah. 100%. And what I've seen a lot of, and people are really picking up the torch and doing a really good job. There's a lot of training out there is you started because you loved coaching or you started because you loved the workouts. Right. And maybe you thought the place you were at, you could do better than them. For me, when I started, because I, I opened a CrossFit gym, when I started, it was, the gym in town is super competitive. I'm a normal person and there's a bunch of normal people here. And I want to speak to, uh, you know, the obese, the mom, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and, and you start as this coach and then you're thrown into a business and it's, it's almost backwards where you're talking about coming up in the gym world. You go in and you take a role and you learn that role and then you move up and you learn a new role. And then you move up and you, you know, you get, you get good at sales and you're good at coaching. So I completely see what you're saying. <laughs> it yeah. Made sense. It, it, it's, I talk to trainers all the time. I talk to coaches all the time. I even talk to gym owners all the time. And it's just about getting back to the basics. You know, I think um, that's one of my favorite quotes, like do the basics really well. And so what you said is like, people are now course correcting, which is fantastic. And that's what I've been helping people to do as well is like, get back to the basics do the things that really work and have always worked, which is in any course of, in any 
phase of life. You got to start at the ground level and you should learn your way through that. And then you go up a level and you should learn your way through that, right? That's mastery. So now it's like, well, okay, well, maybe I should take, you know, maybe I should learn business. Maybe I should learn how to talk to people because right away, people, because we're passionate about this fitness thing, they think, let me go give an L1, right? This has been the road for a lot of coaches. Let me go get my L1. Then I'm going to go shadow. I'm not going to get paid. I'm just going to shadow. And while I'm shadowing, I'm not building any skills. I'm just observing. And then I'll get a class and then I'm going to coach classes. Oh, this is great. And like you said, well, I don't like the programming or the owner is just not me and the owner have different values. And, you know, I want to work with people, the everyday person. I want, I see they need more help. They don't want to be competitive. They don't want to do this stuff, you know? And so they go open up another gym. They feel that's the only course of action for them is to open up another gym. But now they're thrusted into They've got, they had no opportunity to work the desk, to understand what's going on in the office, to understand why the programming is the way the programming is, you know, what's the thought process there, right? And so then they're, they're missing out on all these other components. So it's like, what if someone walked in your gym and you gave them a weekend online or on-ramp course, right? You foundations, whatever. And then all of a sudden Monday comes around and you throw them into the open RX <laughs> and you injure people. <laughs> yeah. So that's what coaches are doing to themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's really what we're doing as business people and entrepreneurs, unfortunately. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I mean, is, how many, how many entrepreneurs learn in the fire, right? Instead of like coming up through, through the ranks of another organization. And I think there's something for that. I think there's something for that. I think there's something to be had there. I think those are, those are extreme. There's extremely sexy stories where people have made it work, mm-hmm. right? And people have learned through it. And I mean, experience is the best teacher for sure. But I mean, there's a lot of stories of people who failed, a lot yep. of people who got burned and a lot of people who burned others because they couldn't do what they promised they were going to do. Yeah. So, so just to understand your, your trajectory here, um, you know, you got into the gym industry, you kind of went through the things you owned your own, and then you went to online. Um, what exactly do you do now? Like, I know you kind of covered it, but yeah, specifically, what do you do? So it, it, it's, it's odd how it just naturally and organically evolved. I was working with fitness professionals and online entrepreneurs and helping them to kind of build their online business. And that started to move into having conversations with friends that own companies and own brands. And they wanted to, because I have a, a, a big event experience, they just wanted to learn about what, you know, maybe a, an event space down South, right? Mm-hmm. What does this event do? How, who could I talk to over there? All right. Well, let me make a connection with you guys. And then that happened for another brand and that happened for another brand and another brand and, or another brand needs some leadership issues. So it just kind of evolved into um, now what I do is just kind of help brands kind of create relationships with necessary parties and kind of helping them how to map out what their marketing should look like. You Hmm. know, what, what are some of the areas they should really be paying attention to versus some of the things that 
a lot of times I'll give you an example. So sometimes events aren't the best course of action to get your, to get your name out. Events are great. Sometimes it's not, not all events are equal. And so is there another way? Could you get more ROI, right? Um, could you get more bang for your buck doing something else? Well, let's identify what that is. Let's look at some real numbers um, and let's kind of set some goals up really to kind of see, do you just want views? Is views really what you're really after? Or do you want actual, you know, do you want people to actually buy the product? Which is it? So it's just having those conversations and just finding out what the, what the needs are, the, are for the brands. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. VAs for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. That's really cool. So it's it's almost all not just like event planning and, and execution, it's vision, like helping them with the vision and the outcome. Yeah what is really the goal? You, you really kind of got, actually my brain started spinning as soon as you did that, as I'm putting together an event with several other guys, I'm like, you know, <laughs> so it sounds really valuable. Do you feel like, um, how did that work during pandemic times? Everything so that just happened. No. So during the pandemic, which was sweet during the pandemic, I was mostly working with coaches. Yeah. Just individuals because obviously there were no events. And like I said, I was positioned luckily to have had that experience and had that platform already. So people were like losing their minds. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And so I was really, really grateful that I was in a position to help a lot of people, which was great. And people were able to still make their money, pay their bills. And the pandemic was a shit show, right? It was terrible. Um, but what it did for the industry, it kind of reset it. I believe, right? It reset it. It took the middleman away from the consumer to the instructor, right? The, 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 it just took the middleman away, which is for the most part with the gyms, right? So the gym was taken away. The consumer went directly to the product, right? Mm -hmm. the, the instructor, um, which was fantastic. That helped out the instructor to help the consumer. It was great. But what happened to the gyms? So in my discussion with a lot of gym owners, they had to get creative. They had to figure things out too. And so many of them learned how to recalibrate their finances. They realized they were overspending on certain areas. They were not really focused on where they should be dialed in at. And so I think it just kind of allowed many of them to kind of reshift and to ask themselves some really tough questions. Where the hell are we going with this thing? Um, and so many of them were able to kind of like, downshift on the payroll, upshift on, pro, uh, upshift on a better value uh, for, their, um, uh, for their coaches or for their employees, right? Where they, mm -hmm. a lot of people I talked to went to more in an incentive-based program versus an hourly wage or a salary, which I think is better. You know, if you incentivize people, they're going to push. And so I really feel like now 
the industry is in a better place for the next five to 10 years rather than what it was prior to 2020. See, I love that outlook because it's so frequent that we take these uh, human beings, we take these events like something that's out of our control, like the pandemic or the way the government handled it, whether you like it or not, doesn't matter, but the, they had to handle it some way. And therefore you had to pivot. They think of these things as the negative thing, but there's so much good that can come out of a, a situation like this. Yeah. Uh, how did, so now <laughs> like, uh, what was the biggest challenge? I, I think you kind of answered this, but what was the biggest challenge? Because I think there's more to it than just business. But what was the biggest challenge you you encountered working with people through that really tough time in their in their life? You know, when you're faced with adversity, it's going to the adversity and the obstacle is going to be a mirror, right? It's going to be a mirror for you, and so it's going to pull up. It's going to show you exactly who you are, just like a good workout will. Mm -hmm. A good workout will expose all your weaknesses. And so an obstacle like a pandemic will expose everything where you're weak at. And mental health for a lot of people were challenged. For me, mental health has been an issue I fought my whole life. You know, um, I grew up with learning comprehension issues, ADHD issues, unknowingly. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything, but I always felt like I had one arm tied behind my back. Mm. I had anxiety, I had depression. I grew up with a lot of childhood trauma. So over the last four years, myself, I had to look myself in the mirror and really do a lot of inner work. So over the last couple of years with people being faced with this adversity, you know, in, 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 our, in our generation, this is probably the, the, the biggest adversity thing they've ever faced right? Prior to 9-11. Mm -hmm. And so many people struggled with confidence issues. Um, and when you struggle with confidence issues, it's like, well, where's that really coming from? Where's that really stemming from? Um, and so really doing a deep dive on inner work, I'll say has been very helpful for people because that's where Tony Robbins says it best, right? Business is 80% psychological and 20% skills. And so when I sit down with either an individual or a company, what's really in the way is our own limitations, our own belief systems around what's really going on here, right? Are we getting too emotional about the things that are in front of us? And then why are we getting emotional about it? What's really at play there? What's underneath the surface? And so what's been the biggest struggle for people has been that men those mental roadblocks and really helping people to uh, be able to face their own inner demons. Once they do that, it's like, oh my god, wow! I didn't. I, I, it's like, it's like taking off a parachute, trying to run with a parachute. Yeah, right? run against that resistance, right? And all of a sudden, you take it off, and you're like, holy shit, I'm faster. So that's been that's been huge over the last couple of years. Yeah, and you have mentioned several times. You really enjoy personal growth, personal development, leadership. What are some of the things um, you just talked about inner work? Let's define inner work a little bit more. Like what is your, your, how would you explain inner work? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, especially like today, right? Everyone wants to be a mindset coach. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's so broad, right? It's so broad. Mindset is so broad. Inner work is so broad. 
So when you get down to the nitty gritty, it's really understanding yourself, being massively self-aware. What are your patterns? Why have you been doing what you've been doing your whole life? And so you understand that as a person, your patterns are developed from the ages, you know, from you're born to the age of seven, right? Um, that's where your brain's in a complete theta state the first seven years of your life. So everything you're seeing from your parents or your caretakers is just building up all your belief systems. Well, those things come with you as an adult, right? Those things come with you. And so breaking it down to what area of your life are you struggling in? Where are you really struggling? And why are you struggling with it? And really holding yourself accountable for those things, you can start to peel away layers. It's like, it's a never ending game. It's like training your body. I always say it's like training your body. You're, there's always a level to this, right? So I started with just personal development work, right? Reading more, you know, got into Tony Robbins, got into Ed Milet, got into a lot of, again, just personal development work. Well, that personal development work led me to understand, holy shit, I have a lot of problems I've never dealt with as a child. That led me to a lot of inner child, uh, uh, my inner child work. That inner child work helped me to unravel so many traumatic things that happened to me as a child that I wasn't even aware of. You know, you're talking sexual traumas, you're talking death that I never dealt with, things of that nature. And my father, I'll just you know, I'll say it, he doesn't care anymore. Uh, my dad was a drug dealer. My dad worked for, you know, was involved in organized crime. And so I saw a lot of crazy shit. Um, and when you see that stuff as a child, it comes with you. And so that's going to affect how you do business. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect your, you know, especially as a man and how you view your relationship with other men. I was at a, a, an event not too long ago and the leader, the facilitator was like, it was a great group of men. It was about 40 guys, all walks of life, right? And I'll, I'll wrap it up with this thought. So he goes, if you've ever been afraid or if you felt fear in a group of men, step forward. Every man stepped forward. I was like, I can imagine. Wow. So as men, we've all dealt with this for whatever reasons we've have. And I believe now because of the internet, because there's information out there, because it's, it's here. And because of the shakeup of 2020, I think more people are doing or aware that it's time. It's time to heal. It's time to go within. It's time to learn more about ourselves so that we can be better partners. We can be better professionals. We can be better entrepreneurs. We can be better fathers, better brothers, better leaders. Um, and I think it's important. I think that's where we are today as societies. You have the opportunity to really make that progress. And once you do it, you'll start to see the progress in all these other areas of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you bring up the importance of like your upbringing and those that that time in your life when you're so impressionable and everything's kind of forming in your brain and how that there's literally an imprint, right? Like something happens and it's imprinted. And then you as an adult, until you unwrap that, there's this subconscious that thinks that's how everything is operating in that realm. Wow. Like you know, maybe I was in a victim. Maybe I was, a, I, I saw myself as in a victim in a situation. And then later I unwrapped that and I'm like, wait a minute, 
Like I need to rewrite that story. I wasn't a victim. I made a choice and, and, but I couldn't control that, but I still made a choice. I'm not a victim. I'm in control. So I'm in control now. It's so funny how that, that view that we keep that, that window we're looking out of how life works is typically a mirror of something that happened way long ago. And it's not representative truth. Yeah. And it's biological. It's, it's literally in your system. Right. Like if you're really, if you're listening to this and you're kind of like, you know, you're a numbers person, you're a right brain person. Here's the thing, like your central nervous system will hold on to those traumas and the stories that you have now recreated in your head. Like you said, the narrative. So I'll give you a quick example. So I healed my relationship with my mother and that healed all relationships with every woman in my life. Mm. And I never felt better. This happened two years ago. I ran around for 30 years with the story that my mother, when my parents got divorced, my mother left, took my sister and left me for a month in the house all by myself. I lived with that story. Never had a great relationship. I love my mother. We had a cordial relationship, but my mom always wanted to love me, right? And I wouldn't let her in. And so I also had this relationship with other women. I wouldn't let them in. Well, when I decided to finally speak to my mother about it, was I wrong on that story? Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> oh, fuck yes. Her side was completely different. She was like, no, you were 14. We asked you if you wanted to come. But we also gave you the option to stay here because your dad was going to stay here. And it wasn't a month. It was only like three days. Well, I'm like, all right, three days. I'm like, okay, let me, let me meet my mom halfway in the middle. So it's probably like a week or two, right? Um, so that completely rewrites that narrative. And she didn't know that my father wasn't there. She had no idea that my father just gave me money and was like, hey, man, have a good time. If you need anything, call me. She had no idea, right? Um, so she was like so fucking infuriated when I told her that. Um, but now, because I changed that narrative and that story just was like, oh, my God, I've been living with this false. I've been living with a lie. Every, my whole body changed. The way I, I talk to women completely changed. And my relationship with every woman in my life has changed. One conversation, one -hmm. conversation you were brave enough to have directly with your mother unfolded in a whole new history, which allowed you to heal on such an incredible level. That is such a great story to to show how in-depth and crazy it is, but how easy it is. What, what one difficult step will lead to these things that really, really move the needle in your own personal development. So like massive. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So uh, let's dig into you a little bit, James. Yeah. Like you talked about Ed Milet and Tony Robbins, amazing content. They're, they're phenomenal. They're great in the leadership space. What have you done? Like, I know obviously you listen to them and paid attention to their things. What are the things have you done to really kind of do that inner work and move yourself into the right direction? Um, you know, in the beginning, it was more or less dialing in the, the basics which is your habits, the things you can control. You know, um, my morning routine was terrible. My nighttime routine was terrible. It was always on my phone. Just, I was training, bulking, right? So what does that look like? You're bulking, you're lifting heavier weights, you're eating the cheeseburger, you're eating the full cheeseburger, not just the half that you said you were going to have, but you're bulking, so you can eat the whole cheeseburger. So my habits were not good at all. And so that was the first step was like just dialing in my routines, dialing in my habits, getting control of what I could control. And that's started to kind of free up my mind and the bandwidth that I needed 
um, I started reading and reading was incredible for me. So for those of you that struggle with reading initially, what I, I struggled with reading for, because I have learning comprehension issues and I wasn't, I wasn't reading. I wasn't developing that muscle for a while. I was always on my phone. So I started reading along with the audiobook. So listening and also following along, highlighting certain things, that was a game changer for me. Alex Ramosi talks about that, the importance yeah. of doing that. Yeah, he does. He does a lot. And I was like, yes, um, because it's so important. Um, and I'm a big audiobook. I love audiobooks. Yeah. So reading was important for me. And that really started to help me to like, kind of like grab onto new things and be like, okay. And I started interjecting things into my habits and my daily routines. Um, and I started, you know, this was four years ago, ice baths weren't that popular as they are today. I was doing ice baths. I was doing all the, the biohacking. Um, and I started to feel good again, like physically feeling good and not just training for physical or performance. You know, we normally, when we go to the gym, it's about the way we look or, you know, I want to lift heavy. I want to get faster. I want to get stronger. I was like, I'm going to be 40. I want to like train and take care of my body for my health. It was the first time I've ever done that. So that was a complete paradigm shift. And so just really being, being very conscious of the way I treated my body. So just looking at a workout as no different than me brushing my teeth or journaling that day. It's important. It needs to happen, but it's no more important than those things, mm -hmm. right? It's going to help me with my mental obstacles. I love the way I feel, but it shouldn't be my therapist. Right. Right. So, um, and then segue, the perfect segue is I did get a therapist. Um, I started working with a woman. Uh, she was awesome. Older woman. She didn't even have Instagram, which I loved. She didn't try to sell me some big course. Cause I, I, I wanted to work with, um, you know, some people and yeah, um, got a therapist. I've been invested heavily into coaches, investing into different courses. I did that. Um, but it, when it came down to it, it was, it really was just learning how to sit with myself and how to give myself space how to give myself grace, rededicating myself and recommitting myself to faith, you know, and believing in something greater than myself. Those things are all free. That's good. Those things are all free. You don't need to invest thousands of dollars to have a good morning routine. You don't need to invest thousands of dollars to take care of yourself and to sit with yourself and to have compassion and grace and faith those things are free and so that's where that's where the real work came into it um and yeah it's just the the work is no different than training your body it's the basics day in day out it's the unsexy shit that if i put up on instagram people are going to be like what but yep that's the stuff that yeah. Well, let's talk about some of that basic because you talk about morning routine. I too have a very dialed in morning routine. It took me years to put into place and, and continue to massage it and do it. Yeah. You, you either command your day or your day commands you. And, and it's, um, so what are some of the things that you do that, that really help you and you do it every morning? Well, 
it took time, just like you said, right? It takes years to kind of develop what's on. So I started pulling from different people, what yeah. works for different people, you know, and I started doing what, you know, all the things. Let me meditate. Let me do the ice cold showers. Let me do all the things. And you realize, fuck, three hours, I haven't gotten to work yet. <laughs> uh, right? So yeah. it really is, it's fast. Like I get up and I anchor certain things that need to happen in my day and get up. So the first thing I do is I wake up, I put some headphones on and I'm listening to something either inspirational or something that's teaching me something, something that's kind of like auto hypnotizing me because my brain's still in that theta state and I'm on autopilot because now those habits are in my unconscious brain. You know, I'm walking my dog, I'm coming back upstairs, I'm just kind of sitting down, right? Just quick journal session, just a quick journal session, just to kind of get my thoughts into play. And that journal session is like, what am I grateful for? What am I manifesting? And then a quick paragraph about like, what do I want to create today? What is, what are my wins? And then immediately I go to the bathroom and then immediately after that, I do take a cold shower, right? And that cold shower just wake me up. And then right after that, I am at the desk and I'm at work. That takes me all of that. No, I'm, I get up at seven. I'm at my desk working at seven. I'm sorry. I get up at six. I'm at my desk working at seven. Oh, so you've really kind of dialed it in. And I think that's a really good message for people to hear is one, it, you take time to develop these things. You, you did exactly what I did. It's like, I took all these people's morning routines. I'm like, and I, I literally tried little things when I liked it, I kept it. And then I found another little thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. So I listened to Brandon, Brendan Burchard talk about some of the reasons he does the things. And then like, Oh, I definitely want that. But his 20 minute movement, I'm going to make an hour of working out. And then, you know, and, and I took and just little pieces from here and there and, and put this puzzle together. And then the one thing that I really encourage people to do is like, don't get set. We're not the same person today oh, that we're going to be in a year. Yeah. So I love that yours is, you know, an hour, mine's three hours. <laughs> but, <laughs> used to be three hours. Yeah. And, and I like it that way. I, I really do like it. That way. What's that? You work out first thing in the morning too. So I, I have um, a whole gratitude practice, uh, um, a mindfulness prayer type thing. And those alone take 45 minutes. So I do those while I'm walking, but then I also do my gym workout. So it is including things that I would be doing no matter what. So I'm, right, right, right. you know, I've got that 45 minute walk and then I have the 30 to 45 minute workout. And then I have a re session where I actually read books because I'll listen to them all day long, but I yeah. need to read. So I have all these little things built in. It's very similar to yours where I pro I'm almost programming first. Like I have to go to the bathroom when I first get up, but I go right back into bed and I go through a process of things I'm reading aloud to myself. And it's, it's always like, I'm setting myself up for the day. Right. Yeah. Very, very similar. It's yeah. I used to take, I mean, mine used to take two, three hours too, because it would be these big, bigger things. I would, sometimes it does. Sometimes mm -hmm. I need to spend more time going on the inner work. Like I love prompts. I love asking myself questions. Um, and there are times where I love free writing. You know, I love free riding. There are times where I'm just like, I'll ask myself a question and I'll type and I'll go. And that could turn into content for the day. That can turn into a business idea that can turn because the worst thing to do, I think is what you should not do in the morning is grab your phone, right? right. Like you need, like there are so many, so many nuggets that you just downloaded from these seven to eight hours of sleep. And so I love to kind of like tap into that. Um, and so my work, when I, when I sit down and start doing work, there's a lot of like carryover into that. Of course. Right? A lot of carryover into like, okay, 
let me be really mindful of my day by looking through my schedule, looking through the wins that I already kind of like forecasted for myself. Um, and then looking at, well, how am I going to get there? Right. So that's kind of the way I start to work that let it flow very organically into kind of like my mindset and then kind of like, all right, let's flow right into work. But I don't book calls. I don't book calls. till probably like in the afternoons and I work out at around, I work out. I have to, I have to go take class. Mm. I take class. I go to a gym here in Austin and yeah, it's either 1045 or the noon class. And I go in and it's an hour. It's done. It's awesome. I appreciate the, the, the coaching and the programming and the community and I love it. And it's fantastic. And it's not CrossFit anymore. <laughs> not CrossFit. All right. On. Right on. Yeah. Um, what is uh you mentioned listening to audiobooks and reading books at the same time. What is, what is one just recently that you would recommend to everyone? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, you just nailed it with Harmozy's book, right? That, that book, uh, what's it called? $100 million offers or how to make offers so good. People can't say people feel stupid saying no. Right. Um, that's a great okay. book. He's re he really breaks things down to sim simplicity with that one. Uh, another one is the gap in the game. Mm, haven't read that. Yeah. The gap in the game. So good. It really helps to put, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're go, go, go. And you know, you're achievement driven. It teaches you how to kind of forecast your wins, right? But also measure your success against what you've already done rather than what you want to do. Oh, right? I need to read that. We're always, we're always <laughs> forward, right? We're never, it's never enough. Yeah. Never, we're never satisfied. It's like, oh, I got to get this go. I got to get this thing. But it's like, well, if you just look back, how far have you came? You're like, oh my God, shit. I didn't realize that. Right. And so those are things that are kind of like you, sometimes we know, but we don't really do. And so this book really has a system that allows you to put that into your planning process. Um, and so it, it gives you kind of like really great tools. It's so mm -hmm. good. The gap in the game. Uh, that guy's been coaching for like 30 years. Wow. Yeah. He's great, man. What's his name? Oh, fuck. I forget his name, but anyways, he's really good. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah, I'm going to check that one out for sure. It sounds like, I mean, on, honestly, it sounds ridiculously good and ridiculously relevant because it's so easy to see, always focus on what we haven't done. Like what? Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan. Yeah, I just, I just looked it up. Right. Yeah. Got it. He's great. Old school guy too. Like old school guy. Um, and it's great. It's so simple. Well, old school and coaching, things really haven't changed. We got to work. We got to do the inner work. We got to, we got to have a different perspective on things. We got to continue to sharpen that that's edge. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. To wrap this up, uh, if you, you know, let's, let's say you, you take on a, a mentee 18 years old and yeah. you're wrapping up your, your time with them, something happens and you, you just get one chance to give them one piece of advice. Oh, I love that. that be? Because it's easy for us. It's easy for us like to look back and look down the 18 year old. Right. But the 18 year olds never is, is not They don't know what it's like to be 44. We remember what it's like to be 18. What I would say is you are not your job. Your identity is not what you do for a living. Your identity is not the title you've been given. Your identity is not your, the workout that you like to do. Your identity is not the, the eating habits that you obtain. Your identity is not the community groups that you're in or these ideological things that you like to follow, 
Your identity is you. Mm. 18 years old, you don't know what the hell that is. And so you're going to go on a journey to discover what that is. And so allow yourself the space to go on that journey to discover who you really are. And you're going to make some mistakes along the way. And when you're making mistakes, good. Good, because that means you're putting yourself out there. That means you're doing the right things. You're putting yourself in the fire. Now learn from them. But whatever you do, allow yourself to be an individual first. You're not your workout program. You're not your job. You're not these things that the society wants you to be. You're you. And when you, when you come with that, you'll figure out who you are a lot faster. Dude, that identity work is so good. That is, I wish someone would have said that at 18. Maybe they did. Ooh. <laughs> Me too, man. Yeah. Me yeah too. That's a, in your thirties. If you haven't done that work, it really comes around and just kicks you in the nose. Oh, I mean, yes, <laughs> Yeah. Or maybe earlier, but for me, it was in my thirties. Yeah. yeah. It was in my thirties too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I want to help people not go through that horrible disaster when you think you are what you do and then you lose what you do or you change. And then all of a sudden you're lost. Yeah. Uh, so True. James, uh, real quick, give yourself a, a little promo, help us know where to find you. And, and um, if someone's interested in, in, in your services or your help or a little direction from you or just wants to reach out, how would they do that? Yeah, you can reach out to me. Instagram's a great way. I love, I'm super active on Instagram. James P. Quigley, I'm on there. Uh, the website is Amplify Online Coach. That's going to be changing, but you can, you can take a look at that. Amplify Online Coach is still there. Uh, however, reach out to me. Chat with me. Jam out with me. Ask me any questions. I'm super accessible. Um, I love to, especially if you're, you're up and coming or if you have a gym. And if you have a company that just needs some leadership, you need some refocus, yeah, just shoot me a message and I'd love to jam out. That's awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us, dropping some really good, solid advice that people really need to pay Thank attention you. to. I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Thank you. It was great being on here with you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.